0: Hi, you're listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, where we bring you the rich life histories of the incredible men and women enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. Innovators, pioneers, entrepreneurs, geniuses. These are the individuals who not only shaped blues music, but paved the path for all forms of American music that followed. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by the Blues Foundation. For more information about the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. We continue this series with the King of the Blues, B.B. King. Born in 1925 on a cotton plantation near Itabina, Mississippi, Riley Benjamin King found his muse early in the sacred sounds of the Pentecostal church. First given a guitar by his mother's cousin, famed bluesman Bucka White, King soon traded the cruel world of cotton plantations and sharecropping for the excitement and opportunities of Memphis and Bill Street. Never has the phrase, the rest is history, been more true. One of the most important and influential artists in the pantheon of American music, BB and his guitar Lucille will live on forever.
1: This is his story. The first time Riley King laid eyes on Beale Street, he knew this is heaven. He strolled under neon signs, smelled sweet, hot barbecue. He glanced sideways at painted ladies. He stood and watched a dice game. Heaven. He floated after the sound of music to Handy Park. He shook his head. He thought, these guys sound like they have four arms. I'm all thumbs. Riley carried his guitar with him, didn't even have it in a case, but wouldn't dare play. All of a sudden, a spotter for the dice game shouted, Number One! Everyone looked up and saw a white policeman coming. They ran, and Riley followed, cradling his guitar under his arm. He flew past pawn shops and glimpsed a picture of T-Bone Walker in the record store window, his hero. Heaven emptied fast. Though humble, Riley gushed charisma, sincerity, and charm. Most importantly, he worked hard. He came to heaven after a dream. But that policeman and the guitarist with four arms chased him in his dream right across the Mississippi into West Memphis, Arkansas. He had nothing fancier to wear than an old army jacket, still carrying his guitar with no case. Riley took a few deep breaths and went inside the local radio station. He was looking for the man he'd heard on the radio every day growing up in Mississippi. Riley was shown back to the studio, empty except for one tall, brawny dude standing there playing harmonica. Guitarist with four arms, now this guy. Riley took another deep breath and looked him in the eye. Sonny Boy Williamson stopped blowing his harmonica. He looked back into Riley's eyes and said, What do you want? Riley stammered, I I, want to sing on your program. Go ahead, Sonny Boy said. Let me hear you. Riley stopped stuttering. He picked clean and sang clear for Sonny Boy. Riley could feel him warming up. The big fella said, What do you call yourself? I'm just Riley B. King. That night, Riley found himself performing in the packed, sweaty 16th Street Grill on West Memphis' little version of Beale Street. Heaven came to Arkansas. The women moved to Riley's beat. He plucked the high notes and watched their backs arch. Miss Annie, who ran the joint, said Riley could play there six nights a week, 12 bucks a night on one condition. He had to get on the radio and spread the word about his new gig. Riley thought about it as he crossed back over the rivers and heard rain pounding on the bus roof. In Memphis, Riley walked off from the bus station, he felt raindrops, and tucked his guitar under his coat best as he could. Miss Annie was still talking to him. Get on the radio, he heard over and over. He knew he'd do anything to broadcast on WDIA, and now he was. Only 20 more blocks in a rainstorm to go. WDIA flew onto the Memphis Airwaves right as Riley first saw Heaven, the first radio station in America to play all-black music with all-black DJs. When Riley finally reached the WDIA studios, he saw one of those DJs behind a soundproof window and knocked on the glass to get his attention. The DJ happened to be the first WDIA hired. In the heart of the rich Mississippi Delta, W.D.I.A. 50,000 Watts of Goodwill invites you to join us in asking the man upstairs to smile on us today. Nat D saw Riley standing there, dripping with the guitar strings down under his coat. He saw the determination and sincerity written all over Riley's face. He wanted to make this work. Nat said, we've got a new product we want to put on the air. You think you could make a jingle? Riley had no experience with jingles. He blurted out, yes, sir. Nat D said, the name of it is Pepticon. Pepticon? Yeah. Riley beat his guitar like a drum and sang. Pepticon, sure is good. Pepticon, sure is good. Pepticon, sure is good. You can get it anyway in your neighborhood. Nat said, you're hired. Pepticon and its plugger were a hit. The stuff was mostly alcohol, and listeners dug that almost as much as the new down-home kid they heard on DIA. Riley had 15 minutes every day. He sang the virtues of the alcoholic serum and some of his own songs, and folks went crazy for him. He called himself the Beale Street Blues Boy. Letters poured into WDIA for him, addressed to Mr. Blues Boy. That got shortened to BB. She
0: knows what to do, and she knows- what
1: all about now, man, she... every legend has a twist young bb king's life took one in a town called twist 40 miles outside memphis in the arkansas cotton fields there on a freezing winter night bb did his thing in a juke joint that looked like a good wind could turn it into toothpicks the joint was so rustic it had a steel barrel full of flaming gasoline for a heater Now, B.B. heard fights in the crowd just about every place he played, but that was just part of the ambiance. This scene got twisted. Two guys wrestled on the floor. They locked up and started rolling like a tractor, cutting down everyone in their path, and then they crashed into the barrel. The thing tipped over, and a river of fire flooded the dance floor. B.B. King and everyone else got the hell out of there. Outside, even the wrestlers stopped to watch the place burn. B.B. looked around to make sure everybody was all right and then noticed something. Oh, no, he shouted, I left my guitar in there. He had no time to think as the place collapsed. He had to save her. B.B. dove through the front door, hearing cries of don't, drowned out by roaring hell. Flames licked at him as he ran. He grabbed the guitar around the neck and turned back out. Chunks of burning ceiling rained down around him. He hit the floor rolling and finally came to a stop outside in the cold night, smoldering like a cigarette. Still smoking, B.B. got up and stood face to face with one of the guys in the fight. You just about killed everybody in this place. The man looked down. B.B. watched him for a moment and realized it could only be one thing. What was her name? B.B. asked. The man muttered something. Lucille? Bibi asked. The man nodded. Bebe said, who's Lucille? The woman works here, the man replied. Bebe never saw her, but he never forgot her either. He also never wanted to forget how foolish he'd been to risk his life for his guitar. So he named her Lucille. In spite of his adventures, lady friends, and his radio fame in Memphis, B.B. spent more time in Arkansas picking cotton than picking Lucille. He knew he needed a hit record to get him out of the fields and the raunchy roadhouses that grew beside them. He made little money as a DJ but recognized the fringe benefits of broadcasting. He used his time to promote his own gigs and provide favors for other folks in the business. A popular bluesman named Lowell Fulson came to perform on Beale Street, bringing his brilliant but unknown band leader Ray Charles with him. They sold thousands of tickets, and as they counted their money in a back room after the show, a local DJ stepped up to introduce himself. "You the only ones wants to fill this place," BB told Fulson. "I pat myself on the back because I need your records." Lowell thanked BB and figured that'd be that, but BB stood there. He said, tell you what you can do. You can let me do that song three o'clock in the morning. Lowell thought a second. The song had been out three years. He never heard B.B. sing. He figured nothing was going to come of it. Why, sure, Lowell said, you can do the song. Lowell Fulson didn't know what a serious young man he was dealing with. Within a matter of days, B.B. booked a recording session with the Los Angeles Rhythm and Blues Company. They set up a temporary studio right down the street from BB's apartment at the Y. BB stepped into the room and saw some of the elite players in all of Memphis. Tough Green, Ben Branch, Hank Crawford, Willie Mitchell, and on the piano, a bad 20-year-old who already had a massive hit record, Ike Turner. But all these stars held back as this day and Lowell Fulson's song belonged to B.B. King. Two months later, it was the number one record in the land. B.B. walked into Paul's tailor shop on Beale, the place he'd run past from the police his first night in heaven. He bought two suits, one burgundy and one lavender, with black and red shoes, a shirt, socks, and a tie to match. And B.B. King jumped on the long, winding road. Well, I can't
0: find my baby Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org.